Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Kathy Griffin wants you to buy her comedy tickets. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this again. Maybe I'll slow down a little bit and take some time with it. Kathy Griffin. The so-called comic who used to be funny, then decided to be political, as all of these comics end up doing. I remember when Janine Garofalo was funny. I remember when Sandra Bernhardt was funny. Chelsea Handler used to give me a laugh. And they all lose their mind. Margaret Cho. What happens? The comedy get too hard, so therefore you become an activist, so you can always blame that, that you're speaking your truth to make up for the fact that nobody will come to your show because you have given up the hard work that it takes to be a stand-up? Let me say for the record that I am a funny guy. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Producer Jason agrees. I am hilarious. I've never done stand-up. I should. At this stage of the game... I should. I mean, I, I one-man show is, I think, really where I, I belong. And that's a totally different thing from stand-up because it's a different kind of performance. Stand-up is tough. Respect the people. But there are people who will not accept the fact that they are no longer funny. They no longer have it. They are no longer willing to put in the work and decide to blame something else. Kathy Griffin is issuing a plea for fans to purchase more of her comedy tour tickets. Just freaking get me to opening night in Des Moines. And Omaha is not selling well. First of all, there's not enough people there. I need comedy fans to come out and see me in Kansas City. Come on, I need sellouts. I've been through hell. I've been through so much crap since my last tour. I actually just have to laugh at it. So please... Begging for an audience. Now, if you feel that this is a way to sell tickets, I'm not going to tell you no. But I think there's a, a, a larger story here, which is what happens if people aren't interested? Why is it that people are not interested? Why is it that the people should show up because you've been through something rough. Admittedly, we are a nation that looks at people who've had some level of hardship and we feel something for them and we want to be helpful and supportive of it. Somebody uh, loses their house in a, in a fire, you'll see a GoFundMe to help them rebuild their house. Somebody uh, goes through a, a traumatic uh, event, you'll see people support them to try and get back on their feet. You see um, somebody... I don't, I don't know, uh, do something, uh, you know, th- not thankless, but, uh, um, but when you give of yourself freely, right? You, 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 you're, you're happy to, to support a, a, a cause. And you went above and beyond. Maybe they'll support it. And we've seen these things happen time and again and again. That's who America is, for, for sure. We, we love these kinds of stories of not so much redemption, although we do love a good redemption story, We like seeing people acting in this selfless way, and then we want to congratulate them. Everything about Kathy Griffin is the opposite of selfless. You took this photo 
with yourself holding up the fake severed head of President Donald Trump. And then you were amazed that there was a backlash. Then you cried that there was a backlash. And look what Trump did to me. Look what Trump did to you. Your problem, Kathy, is that you were just five years too early. If you did that now, you'd be considered boring. It's like watching Madonna. Madonna, 40 years ago, how shocking. Madonna today, who forgot her depends? You know we're going to have an accident right there on the stage. I'm telling you, we do not have enough mops. We do not have enough mops. Tommy, here's 50 bucks. Go to the Dollar General. Get the mops. Get all the mops. That's what you got to get. Oh, and some extra paper towels. You never know. Kathy Griffin engaged in an activity that today would not only be considered tame, people would go, is that all you got? That's the truth. And that's why she feels so comfortable in, in the comeback she's been trying to do for the past couple of years and engaging as she is engaged. Why learn your lesson and focus back again on being funny when you can blame others for how poorly things are going and then beg for help? Some people don't have to beg for help. Some people realize, all right, not every room is going to be full. You keep fighting, keep pushing, keep getting better at your craft. I think it's interesting that she went to Kansas City and Omaha and Des Moines. You would argue that her audience would be in San Francisco and Los Angeles and San Francisco and Los Angeles. And then... um then she go back to San Francisco, a stop in Eugene, Oregon, then back to Los Angeles and back no back to San Francisco and then Los Angeles uh, and then and then uh, stop in Bakersfield. That's not for a show. She just wanted to get some Carl's Jr. And then back to San Francisco again, and that would be her whole tour. You want us to feel bad for you? You want us to feel sorry for you? That is odd and strange. Stand-up comedy is outrageously difficult. And the reason it is so important, the reason it's so valuable, the reason it deserves such respect is because in many ways, it's the last real meritocracy on earth. It is binary. Now, some people might think one kind of joke is funny, another isn't. One type of comedy is funny, another type isn't. But the audience that shows up for you, they have either laughed or they did not. And that's it. I find myself more and more of a fan of Jerry Seinfeld every day. Which is odd because every day I think more and more that Jerry Seinfeld is a jerk. He is. Jerry Seinfeld is an elitist snob jerk. 100%. But. It isn't because he has had the unmitigated success that every comic fantasizes over. It's because he laid down his marker. I like comics. I only want to talk to comics. I only want to hang out with comics. I am not interested in getting the hug from Shakira. I, that video, it's Shakira, right? That video is so good. Look it up. Look it up, producer Jason. Uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld won't hug Shakira. Oh, she went into like hug him and he's kind of like, maybe I'll shake your hand, but okay, why don't you stay away from me? The unapologetic nature of Jerry Seinfeld 
is so fantastic and joyous to see a guy be that much of a jerk and give so little of a damn. It was Shakira, right? Oh, yeah, I had that right. It was Keisha. Or that'd be Kesha. Not Keisha. Kesha. No, it's not Keisha. It's Kesha. Hold on a second, producer Jason. You're telling me that it's that it's it's Keisha? The dollar sign doesn't make it an eh? I thought it was Keisha. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure neither one of us know. That's what I just That's figured the way out. I used to announce it. Where did you announce Keisha? At the gentleman's club. Stop it. All right. Hold on it. a second. Is there a story here we have to tell? You didn't know that? You did a little late night DJing? Oh yeah. My I God. work at Radio Tony. You gotta, you gotta work several jobs, I, as you I, know. I, ne- I never once worked at, at, a, at a strip club. Never, never once. Twenty that's not, years. That's not to say I haven't danced. I'm just saying I, I never worked. <laughs> I uh, thought I recognized you. Good lord, the show is weird. It's Kesha, by the way. By the way, let us know on, on the X at Tony Katz. Uh, is it uh, is it is it Kesha or is it Kesha? I'm pretty sure it's Kesha. But neither here nor there. He w- he would not hug her. I love the fact that he's like, this is who I am. Everybody else can kiss off. This is it. Because I don't want to be, I don't care if I'm judged by whether or not you think I'm nice. I don't care if I'm judged. I don't want to be judged on whether or not I'm super sweet. Oh, look at what Jerry did. I want to be judged on the comedy. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. It's Kesha, isn't it? You are right. That's why he didn't keep the strip club job. Must have been a a girl's name that I was introducing, not the singer. Oh, Keisha! Oh, she's great. She is she very bendy. He isn't interested in the accolades for the things that to him are not important. And there's a great lesson in that about the focus and the shutting out of the noise. And if Seinfeld did a special in an hour from now, or a week from now, or a year from now. We would look at him, and we would look at that special, and we would grade it based on whether or not we laughed. All I know is that in Dave Chappelle's last special, Dave Chappelle on on, uh, Netflix, every time a Netflix special comes on, it's all I hear about. It's all I hear about every single day, nights, weekends. All I hear about is Dave Chappelle and Dave Chappelle and Dave Chappelle and Dave Chappelle. And admittedly, there were some good reasons why. Now, I have said before that equanimity in the bird revelation, specifically the bird revelation, is an unbelievable set. Now, I still hold true to that because it's very obvious that in the bird revelation that Dave Chappelle is having a therapy session. Within that, there is a bearing of his soul of of trying to rid himself of something that if, if to any extent you consider yourself an artist, you can see. Not every joke holds up. Not every statement holds up. He discusses a whole thing within that uh, about Colin Kaepernick, where where Colin Kaepernick, you know, he didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to take a knee. His belly was full. He did that for us. To which the answer, Dave Chappelle, is no, he did that for him. And your life is not better because of it. And nobody you know has a life better because of it. He did it for him. 
for whether it be an ego, whether it be a girlfriend, whether it be an ideology, whatever the case may be, you and I, as different as we are, are no better off because of it. And no amount of conversation has quote unquote made things better. It just hasn't. But there are things within that special that are just it, it, to, to the soul, it, it, it cuts. Did you know the new Dave Chappelle special, The Dreamer, got released on December, was it December 31st? It was released on New Year's Eve. I got it right here. Um, and that's all you heard. You didn't hear another thing about that special. You did not hear another thing. Oh, yeah, he may have said something about trans this, whatever. And, ooh, it got some excitement on social media for a day. He's canceled about this. He's not canceled. Nothing else happened. Nothing. Why is that? Is it possible that the special was not as good as other ones? Was it possible that for all of the comedic skill that he has, which is real, maybe this wasn't it. Is it possible that my analysis holds true, that comedy is judged based on the comedy and nothing else? The trans groups hates him and the, and the, and the, and the, the LGBT group hates him and the, this group hates him and he keeps being funny. You think all of a sudden they broke through broke through, and now everybody has this, this take that they can't hear him? No. I think it would be a better argument, a smarter argument, to say that maybe this one wasn't as funny as the other ones and therefore didn't get the viral moves. Kathy Griffin is begging for people to come to her show but hasn't promised to be funny. She hasn't shown to be funny because if she was funny... Even if only half the room was full in Des Moines, the next night it would be full. Or in Omaha, it would be full. Or in Kansas City, it would be standing room only. Or in Name the City, they would be lined up praying that there were a couple of cancellations. Because that's how it works. Don't worry. When I do, when I do my show, you'll be, you'll be able to get a ticket. You're just going to have to spend for it because, baby, I ain't cheap. No, I'm not. And I sure as hell won't beg for it. I'll earn it like everything else. I'm Tony Katz. One quick question about the 2024 campaign. We haven't had an opportunity to speak with you since you uh, suspended your campaign. Uh, Is there an endorsement from Mike Pence? forthcoming for well, one I mean, of the two are, remaining candidates. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I could never support Joe Biden. He's been a disaster for this country at home uh, and abroad. I'm incredibly proud of the record of our administration, but I haven't weighed in yet. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting not only to see how the primary plays out, but more importantly, people that know me well know, for me, it's all about the vision. It's all mm-hmm. about the ideas. And I'm waiting to see where our nominee, whoever that is, comes down on issues that are vitally important to the country. A strong defense, uh, America's role as leader of the free world. And whether or not he gets to be Secretary of State. What kind of question is John Roberts of Fox asking, have you endorsed in this race? What answer were you going to get? 
Have you not heard Mike Pence at all? There is nobody who is more on message all the time than Mike Pence. And oddly enough, in the debates when he was running for president, he got off topic. He got himself hot. It was very strange to watch. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That's how you get to be a part of what we're doing over here. If there is through some, I don't know, we'll call it magical spell way that Hillary, that, that Hillary see, I call, I almost called Nikki Haley Hillary Clinton. That's hilarious. Oh, that's so good, Freudian. I swear to you that was not planned, so help me God. So help me that, oh, oh, hold on. Let's just, let's just take a moment to let that all just, Sink right in right there. Oh, my goodness. I am going to hear about that for a long, long, long time. Whoo. He. Okay. Well, then. If there is some magical spell by which Nikki Haley gets the nomination... Mike Pence is going to be on a short list for Secretary of State. If Ron DeSantis had been the nominee, and I want to state for the record, we could have had Ron DeSantis. Mike Pence would have been on a short list for Secretary of State. And I'm fully aware that the former vice president could be listening to this show right now. I'm not mad at the man. I'm not even mocking the man. I am stating what we know to be a fact. That question already had been answered by the knowledge that it was asked of Mike Pence. The idea that he is going to come out now and endorse Donald Trump when there is 0.0% chance that he does anything in that administration... Well, look, it's 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 Trump and crazier things that have happened, so I don't know. But I'm going to say 0.0. 0.01. So you're telling me there's a chance. Zero, we'll call it 0.01 just to, just to drive people nuts. There's no chance. With Nikki Haley, there's a chance. But if he's the guy who now comes out in, in favor of Haley, oh, sure. He didn't do his job in 2020, and now he's endorsing Haley, who's just trying to screw things up for the Republicans. Who needs it? Some questions aren't worth it. Now, sometimes you ask the obvious question because there's the 0.01 chance that you might get the screwball answer. You might get the out of left field answer where you're like, oh, look at that. Daddy made some news today. So it, it doesn't hurt. But of course he's not going to endorse. Of course he's not going to endorse. Not while there is still this glimmer this chance that he could get another job. By the way, Pence is Secretary of State. No one would be better at delivering a president's message and staying on topic and being unflappable than Mike Pence. Uh, put, put your money on him on that one. For sure. This is Tony Katz today. 
derailment was on February 3rd. The president will go to East Palestine. He promised that he would, and he will. Uh, you saw him. On, uh, so he was not on a break when he was in Lake Tahoe? I will say this again. The president is going to go to East Palestine, as he has said that he is committed to do. You saw him. Time since then, if many... you tell me that the president is going to go to East Palestine, okay. But Peter Ducey's questioning of White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there is exquisite. When? When does he go? Because it's been a year since the train derailment. It, that's You had the train. You had the spilling of these chemicals. People were harmed. There were questions. There were concerns. He's not there. He still doesn't show up. It's been a year. His schedule, I am sure, is packed. What? With the naps and whatnot. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669. Got Tony. Yesterday, there was a post uh, on social media from Phil Kirpin, American Commitment. Love, Phil. Smart, smart, smart dude. And he noticed that when you take a look at the president's schedule, it was yesterday, the presidential daily briefing, uh, the PDB, is, is how it's referred to in the vernacular, was at 11 a.m. 11 a.m.? Not at 7.30. Not up and at him. I had a little workout. I had a, a, a coffee. I had, a, I had myself an egg. I like them poached. And then, and then I got into the Oval, and there was a colonel, and then there was a, a, a somebody else. and a, oh, I can't even tell you who that guy is. Uh, super secret. And they told me what was going on in the world. And I said, holy crap, I'm going back to bed. Right? That would have been a thing. Maybe you get it at 9 a.m. You know, you, you want to read the Wall Street Journal. You, you make a couple phone calls. You check it in with the kids. Whatever. Yeah, you got a system. 9 o'clock, that's when the workday starts. Boom, I'm a 9 to 5 kind of guy. I bring my lunch pail to the Oval. That's the kind of guy I am. Nope. 11 a.m. All right. One of two things at that moment. The guy sleeps till 9.15. Or he gets up at 8, but it takes a good hour and a half to get the drugs working in his system to be able to get him through the day. You decide, you decide, I'm not going to be told, oh, Tony, you're engaging full conspiracy theory. I noticed that from this post that indeed he starts his day at 11 a.m. Most of us have to get up in the morning and start going. The alarm goes off, and the next thing you hear... Good morning, Baltimore. Every day's like an open door. Every night is a fantasy. Every sound's like a symphony. Good morning, Baltimore. That's right. Every day for me is like hairspray. It's a musical, people. Dear God, go see some theater. For the love of the Lord. Look, I'm not like you. I'm not waking up at 11 a.m. You wake up at 11 a.m. Pick one. Excuse me, Stewie. I'm talking here. Pick one. Crazy. And he doesn't have time to get to 
East Palestine. If you say so, you don't want to go. You don't want to go. That's all. So just say so. I have no interest in seeing those people. It's East Palestine, Ohio. It's totally uggo over there. It's uggo, and, and I don't know what they did to the water or the air. I'm not going to have that. Just be honest. It's madness. Meanwhile, a White House a briefing going on right now. This is John Kirby from the National Security Council. Are we going to hear about what's going to happen in response to Iran? Well, we, at least publicly, we haven't seen any action. So with every day that passes and no response, are you missing an opportunity to signal resolve? I think we signal resolve pretty well. And as I said uh, the other day, we'll respond uh, on our own time, on our own schedule. Um, and, and, and we'll do that. And I would, I would also uh, caution you not to, not to think that the first thing you see, you talked about publicly seeing, not the first thing you see won't be the last thing. Can you confidently say that Iranian-backed forces have not begun moving assets out of the region in anticipation of a possible retaliatory strike? We're monitoring as best we can. I'm not going to speak about what the intelligence assessments tell us. Um, but uh, well, I'll just say that uh, we're confident um, uh, in the, the planning and we're confident in the in the response. That Is it way, possible that they're moving assets out of the region as they're getting ready for the U.S. to respond? I'm not going to talk about intelligence assessments. Uh, as the president said, we're going to respond, and we'll, we'll respond in, in an appropriate way. Admiral, can you give us a, a little understanding of the process when the president said yes, very definitively, he'd made a decision, and yet we know there's still ongoing work uh, related to the attribution and assessment of potential targets and those sorts of things. Is it a multi-part decision process for the president, or is the yes he gave already put into um, kind of the action that the Pentagon would need to go forward, or would he come back um, and review the specific targets and that kind of, can you shed any light on that? Longer Just in, in terms of process, uh, the, the, his decision to move forward was based on discussions that he had with his national security team over the previous three days, including yesterday. Um, and uh, when you're talking about what we're anticipating here, which won't just be a one-off, as I said, the first thing you see will not be the last thing. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces in that, in terms of what you're going to choose to, to go after, and what you're electing not to go after, and why, and, and he asks all those questions. Uh, he did that in this case. But it's, a, it's an iterative process. And I would fully expect, Kelly, that uh, because, as I said, um, th this, this, this will be a response over time, you should expect that the president will continue uh, to weigh options ahead of him, continue to ask tough questions, continue to talk to his national security team as things go forward. If you ask me, does that sound logical? I would say to you, well, certainly I would agree with the idea that the first thing is not the last thing. It's actually an expression we use in, in, in my home. Where you start is not where you end. The key to any operation is getting started. The key to any business is to getting started. You could do all the planning in the world, but eventually what you must do is get started. That's what, what, what matters. And where it ends, well, 
where it ends is where it ends. You can end with great opportunity. You can end with failure, which doesn't mean the end. You just can try again with, with something else. But to hear John Kirby, National Security Council, say this, to hear this conversation of we're discussing it and, and we just because we haven't done anything doesn't mean we won't. That does not make me feel like, okay, they're gearing up for something good. This is the Biden administration. Why would you believe that they're gearing up for something good? This is an administration, and yes, indeed, a military that isn't based on defeating the enemy. It's based on understanding the enemy and trying to find common ground. You cannot find common ground with the Ayatollah, with the mullahs, the hardliners, and the clerics. There is no common ground. They see you as Satan, and they want you dead. They stone gay people to death. Can I help you? In America, sometimes we don't want to decorate the birthday cake. That's as far as it goes. They're different. And there is no coming together. There is no mutually aligned situation by which we're like, huh, we're on the same side of this. What do you know? If you find yourself on the same side as the Ayatollah, the same side as the mellows, the hardliners, and the clerics, you're the problem. You're the enemy. You can be like, hey, um, I think I agree with him. Oh my gosh, I'm the problem. That's you. Why would I take for a moment Kirby's statement here said with the with the dramatic pauses and the kind of I don't it's not a wistful look. It's a it's a it's a it's it's a look of, of you know, we really are the professionals and we've got this well under control and and we've got this handled. And you, you, you kind of expect them to be like, let me tell you what President Biden's going to do. You got to turn on my. Maybe it's me. <laughs> President Biden's going to take no nonsense from no one. He's going to look those Iranians in the eye and say, you listen to me, Iranian. You can't take them, the lives of American soldiers. You're going to have to pay, and we're going to make you pay dearly. Does anybody believe that one? Of course not. That's the kind of messaging that John Kirby is, is kind of floating out there. That, that, that Biden's got this all together. But we've seen Joe Biden. And when he meets with his security council and he meets with the Joint Chiefs, this is what we think is happening. I can handle things. I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Like, dumb. I'm smart and I want respect. So, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying into this. I, I am not buying into this at all. I, 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 started, I started today with this conversation, not even knowing that Kirby would be having the, the briefing today. That there has been no response is remarkable because when three U.S. soldiers are killed by Iran in a drone attack, you go to the Iran drawer in your file cabinet, you go to Iran, you go to the amount of soldiers that are killed, you go to drone attack, and you have 12 plans written up. Because if you don't, what the hell are all those soldiers and sailors and airmen doing in the Pentagon? Just walking around saying, oh, this place is pretty. They rebuilt it super nice. You're developing and designing the plan. If you're not doing that, you're not doing anything worthy of being there. Dear God. 
yesterday. Let's bring it back to John Kirby. Response. We are also going to continue to have the conversations that are needed, and they have been good. They've been, there have been, it has moved in a constructive way. Um, and uh, again, we're not, nobody's doing a touchdown dance here. We got a long way to go, but we still think that there's, uh, there's real significant ability here to, possibility to get an extended pause in place to get these hostages out. Quickly get your uh, read on um, Katab Hezbollah's statement yesterday saying that they would suspend military and security operations against U.S. forces. What was the administration's read on that statement? I think, as I said to Steve, uh, we uh, we certainly read it, but we're not going to take it at face value. All right, I'm not interested in what you had to read. I'm interested in a, in a response, and it doesn't seem like you're very interested in the response. That's 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 what it looks like. Like, you are not interested at all in the response. Meanwhile, the uh, the Dow is up 15 and the NASDAQ is down 180. Now, there's, there's a couple of things going on. The people over at ADP, that's the payroll people, they often do a, uh, a uh, well, here's how we think the jobs are, are going to go. And, the, you know, like the jobs report comes out the first Friday of the month. So, you know, this Friday, it will be uh, the jobs report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And certainly from that unemployment number, you can read a whole bunch of things into it. Uh, it's not as important as, for example, the labor force participation rate and some of the other things we're watching regarding inflation, like the CPI, the consumer price index, or the PPI, the producer price index. What are people spending to buy things? And what is it costing manufacturers to make things? Um, but it's interesting that ADP has for the past, I want to say six months, so I will, uh, stole that line from Gary Goleman, great comic. Uh, the ADP has been wrong. They have been so far off base from the real number. So when they say the numbers for jobs came in lower than expected, 107,000, and that's lower than the um, what was anticipated, I'm not buying in. I, I have no idea whether or not they're right. They have not been right in months. In months. No, what I'm paying attention to is first always the 10-year treasury, which is back down again under four. It had popped back up for a short little while there. So remember, it was up at 5%. In October, the 10 year treasury is what you would use to get a basis for the 30 year fixed mortgage rate. So, um, so you had mortgage rates at 8%, and then you saw the drop down, which at start of 2024, you were down uh, to 3.78. You're like, well, all right. You know, you got the spread there and a 300 basis point spread or 3%, mortgage rates at 6%. People feel better. And then it popped up to 4.1, and now it's down to under 4. I'm paying attention to that. And I'm also paying attention to the fact that UPS is laying off 12,000 people. PayPal is laying off 2,500. And if people aren't fulfilling the jobs, maybe it's because there are no jobs to fulfill. That's a story. This economy is not what we are told. This is not a good place to be. And wait till you hear from the business owners. I have those anecdotal stories. I'll get to them in the next hour. This is Tony Katz today.
So I get a text from my wife. Hey, uh, do you think this is a good deal? And it's, um, it's an Angus ribeye for $5.85. Now, it's a 10 ounce. So you do the math. If it's 10 ounces and 585, it's 58 cents. Uh, uh, and, and, and ounce. Now multiply that by 16, it's $9.28 a pound. If I go to the case and I look for a ribeye, it is $19 a pound. So you're saying this is 50% off, to which I responded with, buy them all. So if you happen to see this really hot woman, I mean stupid hot, dumb, dumb, dumb hot woman in your local supermarket, I don't even know which one she's in, and she has, for example, a cart full of ribeyes. Uh, that that that's my wife. Be very very nice. And if it's not my wife, marry that woman because she knows how people should be fed. Marry that woman. Never let her go. I promised myself I wouldn't cry. The Fed is gonna come out with an interest rate announcement. Oh, this is gonna be good. We've got bourbon in here somewhere. We, def- we have to have bourbon somewhere. This is Tony Katz today.